You're listening to Have Mike Will Travel with Elizabeth Santry. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. Welcome to the show. This podcast is about creativity, the professional aspects of creativity. Well, you could also say it's about creative thinking. You see, a career in a creative profession typically means carving your own path and making a lot of important decisions alone. And when competition is fierce and the market's uncertain, getting firsthand insight can really help. Join me as I interview full-time creative professionals and ask them to reflect on these really important moments in their career. Each episode, my guests open up about significant and sometimes even subtle choices that have led to their success. I know it can feel lonely out there, so I hope you find their stories as inspiring as I do. Sometimes it's just a matter of stopping your car. You see that turtle upside down on the country road, just returning to the side of the road. I was wondering in the back of my mind if my Uber account would work when I got to Canada. I was having a hellish time getting into the country. And all these late and delayed flights led to pre-production catastrophes that it was just so nice to finally land in Toronto and be able to have a relaxing ride to get to Jessica Bartram's house. She's a writer and designer. I had to scramble for lost time, and I was just so happy that Jess worked with me. She was very gracious, and she was quick to accommodate our interview. See, more specifically about Jess is that she's a graphic designer, illustrator, animator, textile artist, as well as a creative writer. See, it's all of these titles and, well, talents, I should say, that make her such a great guest. Not everybody has this one direction, this one vision of who they are. And I love that she has the drive and the passion to chase her creative curiosity and to juggle these skills and to make it work as a part of her creative and personal identity. She's really clever and confident, and she pushes herself to make this work. What might seem a little hectic to someone else is just the way she needs to live. I hope you enjoy this episode. Jess, thank you so much for having me, and also just a little back information to the guests. Thank you for rescheduling. I had a nightmare of a time getting into this lovely town. <laughs> your flexibility and you know your uh, welcomingness has been awesome. I don't know if welcomingness Yay. is a word, but <laughs> thanks for being on the show. Yeah. It's so a pleasure. So talk me through coming to Toronto in the first place. What was the thing <laughs> that made you think this is where I got to be, you know? Um, so I... Oh, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a gorgeous dog in the background. We'll just work through it. <laughs> okay, it's totally cool. cool. She's lovely. <laughs> she's, she's feeling left out. So yeah, so Toronto is actually... I've actually sort of been part Torontonian, I feel, my entire life. Okay. Because I grew up just north of the city, um, sort of about 45 minutes north. But for my entire youth, sort of from when I was a year old until when I was in grade 12, my dad worked at the Ontario College of Art and Design. Wow. Uh, he taught printmaking. Um, and he's like, my parents are both artists. And so we would come into the city all the time because he worked there and we would come into the museum and the art gallery and for events and stuff. So I've always felt like Toronto has always been my city. Wow. So um, I went away to school. I went away to Guelph. Mm-hmm. and um, which is just sort of west of the city for people who aren't from Ontario. <laughs> um, and it's sort of a smallish town. I think it's about 100, just over 100,000 now. And at the time, it was a bit smaller. And I was there for four years. And then when I finished that, I was really ready to get back and live in the city. Because I never actually, I lived there the summer before graduating. 
I see. Um, and I really loved it, and I was just really ready to live in a place with, you know, reliable, relatively reliable public transit. And <laughs> Right, but so it's funny, yeah. usually a lot of people tend to use uh, the opportunity to go away to school, to go where they wish they could be, mm-hmm. and you have this opposite experience where you're... <laughs> Couldn't wait to come back mm-hmm. because you had actually been exposed to the place you wanted to be. That's really great. Yeah, yeah. Guelph was the right place for me. Like It was mostly because of the the atmosphere of the school. Like I actually right. almost chose U of T, and then I'm really glad I didn't because I think for me it would have been too big and too impersonal, whereas mm-hmm. Guelph is much like, comparatively way smaller. Mm-hmm. And also I ended up in this small residence called Arts House that's only 50 people and it's you actually have to apply you sort of have to do a very a very lovely creative application to be part of it wow um so everyone who was there really wanted to be there and it was all the there were all these other lovely creative weird people mm-hmm. and i really sort of found my first people there mm-hmm. like i had i have still in contact with a lot of them, lovely friends from high school but arts house was where i was like oh i can really be weird right. and that's okay right and you know then i really started to develop as a sort of creative person more. Absolutely, absolutely. But you got a jump start, which is amazing, because you said your parents were creative, and so you were in an environment where, what I like to say is that you're shown that it was possible to be an artist. very much. I think a lot of people don't (laughs) know that when they're young, Mm -hmm. that they haven't been exposed, that that's even a thing that you can make money doing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, it was actually funny, because my dad spent my entire childhood either telling me that like, he never said, oh, don't be an artist. Right. But he was, like, as an artist, like, a practicing artist himself, he was very practical about sort of, like, you know, you can be an artist, but you're probably going to need another job. So, like, consider teaching is not, Mm -hmm. was not right for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also, when I was going more towards writing and editing and stuff, for a while, I thought I wanted to be an editor or a journalist or something in that realm of Mm -hmm. creativity. Mm -hmm. And he was very, very, like, yes, do that. That's so much easier. (laughs) Which is... Not easier, but you know what I mean. Like it's sort I, yeah, of like because this he knows is a practical the practical job. Yeah, yeah. But it was a very funny kind of sort of, you know, if you must be an artist, that's totally great, and we'll support you. But you know, P.S. It's hard. Oh, but it's <laughs> nice. But always they're lovely and supportive. Well, I noticed so. that like <laughs> teenager years, you tend to like want to um, rebel. Did you ever rebel and do anything like super conservative and non-artistic? Okay, <laughs> okay. I was just curious. Yeah. No, I um no. Like, I never, I always knew I wanted to do something creative. Like, I never, so for a while it sort of got funneled into writing and dealing with various aspects of writing. But I never, I never wanted to do something practical. I was never like, mm, yes, business. <laughs> business is right for me. No, <laughs> that's not how my brain is just right. not shaped that way. And so can I assume <laughs> with the description you gave towards university that it was, you know, cultivating and really significant to your creative development? Yes. So, yeah. So that was my first. I've actually since done another degree at mm-hmm. Ontario College of Art and Design on the design side, as I'm sure we'll talk about later. Yes. Um, but, yeah. So I did English and history at Guelph. I wanted to be in the field of writing. Liberal arts. Yeah. Liberal arts. Um, so I was like, oh, this is a very, and I loved English and I loved history in high school. And they were pretty much my two favorite subjects other than art. It's not like sort of I did that degree and then sort of went away from it and went, oh, that was useless. Why did I study English? Mm-hmm. Because those subjects are actually both they were really useful for me mm-hmm. for developing like they develop critical thinking skills they teach you how to write they teach you how to like interpret things and I've actually I worked for four years after finishing that degree at various nonprofits, and those the skills I learned in you know those useless liberal studies came in really handy like it wasn't s- like they were I'm so glad you brought it up because yeah. <laughs> uh, I think so often uh, people have a change of heart 
or the person you are when you're 17, 18, filling out school applications and making this big decision. And, you know, if you're even fortunate enough to have your parents financial or emotional Mm -hmm. support, then, you know, you put all this pressure on yourself to try to know what you want to do for the rest of your life at such Mm -hmm. a young age. And some people choose what works for them at that moment. And then that's just not who they grow into later. Mm -hmm. And it can be really scary and intimidating to quote unquote start over or or Mm -hmm. redirect or realign into something else that's more appropriate for the situation. So I love that you even brought that up because I was going to bookmark that and say, (laughs) you know, the two degrees thing, like how did that play out? What were you thinking? (laughs) How did it feel? And so you've definitely tackled the one aspect that I wanted to Mm -hmm. know that you don't have any sense of regret and that you've, and you've seen the bigger picture about what these others, what these skills, the bottom Mm -hmm. line skills of what you took in and that they'll stay with you forever. That's amazing. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but at one point I do want to talk to, you know, the other degree, but if that's too soon in your story, I mean, I want to welcome you to Mm -hmm. explain your, your path, your professional path. Yeah, I can actually, I can start sort of in the middle of my four years-ish of working, Mm because that's actually sort of how I started going back towards where I ended up going to school again. I did a seven-week trip after living in Toronto for a year. Yeah, where'd you go? Uh, My friend and I did sort of, you know, the we're going to Europe thing. So we worked for a year to save up money for that and then uh, went off to Europe for seven weeks, went to a bunch of, not not a ton of different places. We wanted to do a bit more leisurely. We didn't want to do, you know, the two days in every city thing. That just wasn't right right for our kind of traveling. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yes, we went to a series of cities and spent sort of three to seven days in each of them. And Mm -hmm. it was just wonderful. Mm -hmm. It was a wonderful experience. And is that a cultural thing that people do that? Or or was that a unique idea for you and your friend to leave? Um, I think a fair number of people do sort of, I, I, I know that in, um, England and Australia, sort of the gap year thing is really big. That's why I'm asking because it's not, and it might be the circle in which I ran in, but Mm -hmm. that was not an obvious choice and it wasn't what everybody was doing. It was Mm -hmm. the the odd person did that. Yeah. I also grew up, like my parents, we didn't, instead of doing sort of a lot of vacations, we would every, every few years or every sort of, I don't know exactly how many years, but we would save up and go on a trip to Europe. Because my that's where my my dad's an art history teacher, okay. and so that's his that's his jam. <laughs> yeah, because I think I don't know how it's come up, but I feel like people sometimes can quantify it as like lavish or over the top or inexpensive. Mm-hmm. But everyone I talked to ultimately who took that that time specifically that age mm-hmm. to take a break, whether it's to you know because vol- specifically I volunteered because I didn't know about how to get mm-hmm. over to Europe at yeah, that age. Totally, I didn't come from a family of travelers. But anyway, that how how significant that can be and that the lessons mm-hmm. you can learn in those experiences. And I just wish more people took the encouraged whether to their children or, or allowed themselves to have that time because mm-hmm. I'm sure it had a, a big impact. Yeah, definitely. Like, n- not that you have to sort of go off to, like, you know, fly off on a plane to Europe, but yeah, taking some time to sort of, so I sort of did temp jobs and stuff for a year and then took those seven weeks to just sort of travel and experience, mm-hmm. which was really lovely. Now, did you have anything waiting for you that was financially stable to come back or did you risk and say it's all going <laughs> to work out? I have, I'm very, very lucky and I'm, an only child with really supportive parents. So I was able to go off and do that trip and then come back and live with them for, I think, a month or two. Cool. And look for a job, gotcha. and, which was really wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then I ended up, so I found a job thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was at my parents' place for the okay. summer, basically. And yeah. then um, started a job at a small nonprofit, sort of a one-year internship. 
and then after that ended up working at an, another nonprofit organization as sort of communications development administrator mm-hmm. and it was sort of during this time that I, I had very much gone like I hadn't done art in ages I've done like I sort of doodles and stuff but I'd been so focused on writing I hadn't really been doing art it was actually before my trip to Europe I broke my ankle mm-hmm. so I was couch bound for about a month because mm-hmm. it was a really bad break it was one of those terrible undramatic stories with a really dramatic <laughs> result but I got really, really tired of just reading and watching movies, right. so I started watercolor painting again, just sort of like drawing funny animals and coloring them and whatever, and then that started turning into a thing, and then I remembered my love of painting, and I sort of did more and more, and I put together a little show. Yeah. Of um, There were animals dressed in Victorian clothing, and they all had stories, so the writing aspect stuck with, it's always stuck with, like gotcha. all of my work comes with a fair amount of writing, like mm-hmm. more and more each project. But then while I was working at both of the nonprofit organizations, I started picking up little design projects. For the one, it was just sort of really little things to promote you know, promote events and stuff because I had, I knew how to use InDesign and I had it on my computer at home. And I see. So I started doing that. And then my other job, um, there was a designer, but she did the bigger job. So when we needed a sort of a postcard or something where it was, you know, it was just like, oh, you can do that. And I did. And then I sort of started realizing that I liked that better than most of my other gotcha. things I was doing because it was a lot of administration and that's just not... As I said before, my brain is not shaped that way. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I sort of more and more was realizing that that's what I was truly enjoying about the job, which wasn't technically part of the job. Yeah, so I just made the decision, realized that I just was not, like, the, and, and I had a really supportive boss at the time, too, who realized that the job wasn't working for me. If you need to leave, that's okay, basically. Oh, <laughs> it was the most, like, I just have had such luck with bosses. Okay. But she basically sat me down and was just like, if you need to go, it's okay. Like, just tell me. That's awesome. So I decided to leave and um, then decided to apply for OCAD. I was sort of considering at first just going to a shorter program, sort of a two- or three-year program, but then realized that OCAD had the sort of creative bent and the more experimental side of design, which is I really, like, a lot of the other college programs are a bit more corporate. Like, Mm -hmm. they're really practical and they're really great programs, but I wanted that sort of experimental side of design Mm -hmm. where you can sort of do this really conceptual project and that's okay. Did you ever consider that you could maybe, you know, teach yourself or try to catch up and join this other workforce or this other industry because of the reasons why, you know, maybe you're you're at a certain age. I'm sure you're still young, very young in this story. But you know what I mean? I think everyone feels old no matter what age they are. So everyone laughs at each other. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not old. Uh, Anyway, but you also have creative parents and, you know, and you also have this instinctual talent. Did you ever think, God, do I need to go to school to get this right when I'm surrounded so much creativity and so much support that maybe I can just like sort of teach myself or practice or play at it? I definitely consider that. Like it's sort of a... Because it's a cheaper option. That's exactly, why I'm wondering. Some yeah. people don't, who are intimidated by the cost mm-hmm. of going back to school and the time cost. Yes. So that's what I was wondering. Yeah, so that was, yeah, going back to school was a huge decision for definitely mostly those two reasons, sort of the time things. I was sort of like, oh my God, I'm going to be 30 when I graduate. Like realizing I'd be eight years older than everyone who was going, coming straight from high school, which was kind of terrifying. I was like, ah, youths, oh no. (laughs) Um, They ended up being really cool, by the way. My majority of them, I was sort of mad. They were, I was like, I was not this cool when I was 19. What is this? I know Um, what you mean. What is this nonsense? 
sense. Um, so yeah, so the time thing was definitely a big sort of four years of being at school and not having a full-time job. And also the money thing was a big, like once again, I have really supportive parents. We worked out a system, like I had to take out student loans. Right, within reason, you made it work. The reason I decided to go back to school was sort of, I felt like I could go it alone. It was more the space to experiment that I wanted mm-hmm. and I, I work really well when people give me assignments mm-hmm. and so I you, just, needed, you wanted the structure yeah like the structure is really good for me because I can have trouble making my own structure yeah um, I mean the really creative people like really uh abstractly creative people tend to I've mm-hmm. noticed I mean I'm not saying anything scientific yeah. but <laughs> you know that the structure and the um you know being able to Organized time and project management in terms of efficiency mm-hmm. because uh, passion, I feel like, can take over and you just kind of lose track of time. And That's my life. <laughs> and yeah. some people just can drown themselves in the details. Like, yeah. I know creative people who will just over the littlest mark making and spend yeah. three hours on it when the whole project itself is not getting done. <laughs> that is, that's a good distillation of how I get sometimes. So I thought it, was, it would be a really great experience to go. And also I realized that having that OCAD would help me build a network. I always say, like, I had such wonderful professors, but I made an effort to find those professors. Like, every time course selection time came, I would spend, you know, hours Googling them and trying to figure out and, you know, taking the rate my prof st- stuff with a big grain of salt. But just sort of going to their websites and seeing what they were interested in. That's great. And so I ended up with this amazing group of professors who really gave me a lot of free reign mm-hmm. to, like, they gave me a lot of structure, but at the same time were sort of like, oh, you want to use embroidery in this project? Go for it! Because right. I sort of was able to present my ideas because of my English degree. Right. I was able to present my ideas and say, this is why this will work. Mm-hmm. But I love the the research and I love the approach to it because I think, uh, I don't know if I'm just speaking for myself, but school was like traditional formative school was rough for me. I, I didn't know how to be a student, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to, some people need to be taught that. But here's the other point I was trying to make is mm-hmm. that um, when approaching higher education, whether it's undergrad, postgrad, it's you know, knowing what it really is. I think some people just think, oh, I'm just going to le- gonna come out really good at this thing. And it's like, no, it's about uh, cultivating a network. It's about the context. These are going to be your future colleagues. And so it, because people, I think, need this information when they're choosing a school. Mm-hmm. What you, the, the, your checklist as to why to choose it, you might need to draft that list because some people might choose it for, like, where it's located and is it fun and da-da-da-da and what kind of – are there any famous artists that have come out of that school? And don't get me wrong, it's not the worst thing to look into, but what you're saying is, you know, understand who your professors are. These are future people who are going to set you, potentially set you up with jobs, introduce you to other people, tell you what they know, and if they're really smart, you want to know what they know, and things like that. I think that was really great, and I think people can maybe overlook that, so I appreciate mm-hmm. you mentioning that. And so talk yeah. me through, you know, getting the graduation process or just, you know, leaving this environment. How did it feel? Because you mentioned you had anticipated maybe thinking, oh, crap, I might be old and da 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 and I've lost time how did it really end up feeling ultimately were you did it was that accurate or did you feel differently um no I definitely so I just graduated in June so it's a very recent event um but and I, and I did sort of start doing work during school like a sort of a couple of freelance clients that I've been working for for about three years now but yeah so it was it was interesting because I do feel that it was a very very rich experience and that it was a good experience to have like it was a very important experience for me personally as an artist and designer like I definitely I I actually recently had to open a file that I did two or three years ago and I was just shocked at how much I've learned since then Mm. I was just sort of 
you know, I just looked at it and was like, oh my god, why did I do that? And what was I doing with these columns and this <laughs> typesetting? And oh my god, I just sort of <laughs> went on this internal rant of sort of like, ah, oh, like a good rant. Sort right. Of like, good job, me. You've been learning things. <laughs> good work. So you're working, were you, you were getting gigs while in school? Yeah, so I did, I did the last two summers, so the summer after second year and the summer after third year, I did internships at, so one was at the, the second one was at the public and the first one was at a studio um, in sort of Roncesvalles, sort of West Toronto. And those were both really great because they're very, very different studios. One was a bit more corporate and then the public is very much nonprofits and activist organizations and things like that. So can I yeah. make an assumption about yeah. you? I'm hearing <laughs> a lot of like this nonprofit and sort of alignment with like social issue. Can I assume that money is not a major, in terms of your definition of success, mm -hmm. making a ton of money at this? Because I think, you know, that's another poll that people can sit on, what, uh, what success means, and, and in terms of specifically the line, the poll line being money, mm -hmm. whether it's being able to pay your bills and live a lavish life and be famous at, <laughs> as an artist, or, you know, be broke and happy just doing your thing. You know, especially if you're in the nonprofit sector, yeah. you definitely have to sort of buckle up and be prepared for uh, a humble, meager financial life. Yeah. It doesn't always pay that great. So what mm -hmm. is your, what is, you know, when it comes to that, what is your definition of success in relation to money? Um, well, you know, definitely, like most people, it's nice to be, you know, comfortable and not have to be scared and worried about money, which is, you know, a process right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thankfully, I have a lovely partner who is working right now. Uh, so that helps. But, and like I'm working, it's just sort of a lot of, it's a different, not full-time work. Uh, well, freelance. It's a juggling Freelance, act. exactly. You just, and that's another thing you can talk about because yeah. um, I don't <laughs> think, you know, having the stomach, you know, because it's nervous. It's nerve-wracking. Having yeah. the stomach to, to always be drumming up your own business and yeah. just not having a paycheck coming in, that's, that's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very lucky because thus far my clients have been really excited to pay me, which I know judging from things I've heard from friends and sort of things I've read on the internet about clients from hell is actually what that Tumblr is called. Yeah. Um, that some freelance clients are not excited to pay so I have had wonderful luck with people being like oh here's like you know I will take your work and here is my money and I'll be like yes thank yeah, you that's how it's supposed to it's be amazing <laughs> um but yeah so it's a very different yeah freelance work I'm sort of in the process of trying to figure out so I've sort of sort of took a break from full-time job searching like searching for a full-time job which was kind of a full-time job in itself like I am going to apply for more jobs but sort of looking into sort of could I feasibly freelance like, I'm, I'm not unique. There are many multi-talented people, but sort of, I just like doing so many different things. Mm, and you want to keep it multidisciplinary. Yeah. Okay. Which is kind of hard to do when you have a nine-to-five job. It's very hard to do. Yes. So, like, my, my ideal situation, dream situation would be working at a studio two or three days a week and then doing freelance slash personal projects the rest of the time. That would be my dream. And I think, <laughs> and I'm not saying this to be smartest, but I think mm. that's a lot of people's dream only oh, yeah. because it, it satisfies the stability aspect. Yeah. And then working with a group, because I mean, some people vi like vibe off of creativity mm -hmm. of others and group team dynamics, the structure, yeah. a place to go that's not <laughs> your living room. Because freelance, I mean, there's so many tiers of it that are struggling. And one of them is, you know, making yourself get out of your pajamas in the morning because you don't have to. <laughs> and there's like a weird mental thing that goes with that you know not yeah. seeing other people in isolation and all that so okay so yeah and and definitely what you were saying about having a group that's the main thing I'm really that's my main consideration when considering freelance because I love working with my clients and that's really wonderful and as I said I have wonderful clients um I'm not just saying that because they might listen <laughs> um, I promise um but I really having worked in a 
three or four studios now. I really love having both the mentorship and the camaraderie of sort of fellow designers. Let me just... I, I love both realms. Okay, okay. Yeah. Let me skip uh, topics just for a quick yeah. second. So let's get into the, you know, the dynamic, the specific crossroad dynamic of uncertainty, of not sureness, <laughs> and the reality of it. It's It's so normal and average i hate to say that because when people are going through things they feel so unique about it and it is lovely because and you know that is we do have this deep point of perspective i think everyone is born with a certain dynamic of an ego and you think that and uh but it is actually quite universal especially in this industry and that's why i like to bring up these universal themes and topics because you know you've no idea how something you're dealing with and the way you're sort of measuring it out or pushing and pulling your decision making is actually could help and inspire somebody else in their decision making process. Kind of loosen that jar lid of thought and go, oh shit! Like, mm-hmm. yeah. well, that's an interesting way of looking at it. So, talk me through like what that is, like where you are. Put the put the pin on the <laughs> map. So yeah, so I did my four years at OCAD and sort of discovered that outside of doing sort of the more straightforward things in design, that I really really love putting all of my other creative endeavors into design. Like, I do not believe in the separation between art and design. I think that's complete. Like, the same way I don't believe in separation between art and science or, like, you know, design and science. Like, I think that disciplines are far too cordoned off and that a lot of the really beautiful work that happens is in where they bleed together. At OCAD, your entire final year, you do a thesis project that you work on for the whole year. And mine ended up being sort of, it's a speculative universe in which a biotech company ruins the world by making it too perfect. But I, I drew on my writing. I drew on my interest in science and natural history and stuff. I drew on my illustration skills. I drew on my building things and 3D skills. So I sort of threw everything I had in my arsenal into this project. And it actually ended up winning the graphic design medal, which was very exciting. Awesome. And I was not expecting because it was really, like it was sort of because it was so multidisciplinary in a way. I, that's the main reason why I wasn't expecting it to win mm-hmm. like I just was like oh they'll probably pick something a lot more practical so I was really amazed that this project that wasn't sort of perfect and shiny and neat and was chosen oh so encouraged <laughs> um but it was also interesting because it sort of solidified for me that thing I mentioned before where my multi multidisciplinariness kind of makes it hard for me to settle on one thing you're preaching to the choir girl. <laughs> so I you know I love working at a studio and often at the studios I've worked at, I've had a chance to also use my illustration skills or also sort of, you know, build a diorama for a test for a project and stuff. But at the same time, that thing will not come up as much as it did in school. But yeah, so so that's sort of my biggest, the core of my dilemma right now is the fact that I like doing so many things, which makes me think that on one hand, freelance is really great for me because I can fit in these more creative projects and my personal projects like sort of my series of illustrated books that I'm work that I've been working on I've got three and I'm working on the fourth one right now and sort of my you know embroidered birds and my general sort of more fine art slash sort of craft in the sort of the larger sense the William Morris sense of craft (laughs) like those kinds of projects you're talking about time management the fact that you can when (laughs) if you're a freelance project you can take a break and work on something else, which is yeah. not a luxury when you're at a studio. And exactly. you have to work the whole time you're there. I think the idea of being highly creative in a lot of areas, I, I don't, I mean, I'm the same way. So it's mm-hmm. one of those things where you just don't know if that's a, 
if that's a community issue or if you know we're just scattered and can think of a lot of things I don't know but how is that like working out you know in terms of where are you seeing it in within the market and within your work where it's actually you're being whether it's being praised or you're being hired or it's showing you that that's worthwhile to do um it definitely the two-week stint that I did at a studio in June they were def they they like when we we sat down for our sort of little discussion that like sort of I've had a series of discussions at studios sort of like here's my portfolio but yeah like one thing when they were looking at my portfolio that is what they were very impressed by mm-hmm. by sort of the way I mixed all these medias in the fact that I had a very like that I had a personal style but that it was not sort of stuck in this very strict personal style. I think what you're saying is that it showed that you have creative flexibility, but that it wasn't stamped with your name on it, but Mm -hmm. it it showed that juggle a bunch of things in the air and then it comes down in a way that makes sense. Yeah. So that's basically why, so basically they had a, they had a designer that went on vacation and they invited me to come in and basically fill in for her for two weeks. Like they basically told me the reason why they wanted me to come in is because they had some projects, they had a project coming up that sort of could use that kind of other perspective on sort of going outside of traditional sort of I am an InDesign and Illustrator and making graphics or just using photos like they wanted my sort of 2D and 3D analog skills Mm -hmm. so that was really neat for me to Mm -hmm. sort of be like oh this is being appreciated this is really amazing because I wasn't sure that that was sort of one of my biggest fears after doing my big multidisciplinary project and sort of coming out of school of going, like, I've had this wonderful four years of being like, I'm going to embroider stuff, I'm going to do all this stuff, and right. then coming into the professional industry and sort of being like, I'm I'm good at vectors, but, you know, I get kind of tired of them. Right, <laughs> sort of. right. So it was really wonderful having that be sort of encouraged mm-hmm. and acknowledged and sort mm-hmm. of them being like, this is why we like you. And I think it <laughs> is a fear for some people uh, if analog is relevant in a digital world. But I think we're getting to a point now where I think that it's aged enough that it's seen as a break, a mm-hmm. change, a refreshing. So yeah, that's and, cool. Yeah, and also sort of I made the very scary decision to not focus at all on sort of advanced coding or UX or any of that kind of stuff. Like I made that decision, this is terrifying, but I'm not a coder. Mm-hmm. I don't do UX. Mm-hmm. I don't do that level of sort of digital web mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. This is just not going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. so I'm not doing it yeah which was so scary <laughs> yeah for sure especially for someone who's multidisciplinary and it um I, I don't know if you're like like a little autodidactic or just sort of oh, I can do that I can do that I can do that you, sort of obnoxious I walk around sometimes obnoxiously <laughs> thinking I can do more than I can um and I'll push myself even if it doesn't come naturally and I like what you're saying about you know you just chose to stay in your lane and there's nothing wrong with that you know I think mm-hmm. that's a part of just getting older about you can't make everybody happy. You can't learn every single skill out there. And it's and I think people get pressured into learning more and more and more about the web and design and stuff because those skills are relevant and, and you get paid well if you know them. But if it's not who you are creatively, you might mm-hmm. end up being miserable. Which I would have. I would love to know, you know, if there's been a moment where it's just sort of solidified with you that choosing you know you've you've described these two paths potentially full-time work where you've got the the security of working in a studio with other people paycheck yada yada or you've got the do it your own way and it's going to be messy and sloppy but it might be much more fulfilling has there been any indicator to you one of these choices might be better than the other you know because sometimes i feel like sign signals whatever you want to call (laughs) it but sometimes we are sort of encouraged 
you know, through events to do a certain, to take a certain path. And so you're in the middle right now. Has there been something to encourage you to go one way or the other? Um, it's very, you know, eight ball, the future is unclear. sort of won the graphic design medal for my thesis project. Mm -hmm. And then as, as I was finishing it up, I kind of realized that it wasn't finished, that it was sort of, I had created this universe and it was the kind of, like, I probably could have, if I was a novel writer, it's the kind of universe that I could write, you know, a series of novels about. And I sort of wasn't, I, I was ready to put it down for a while because it had been a year of really intensive work. But I really was looking for a chance to expand it and mm -hmm. looking for a chance to expand the universe and make more with it. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was approached by um, one of the curators for an event called Come Up to My Room, mm -hmm. which is at a hotel in Toronto called the Gladstone Hotel. It's like an over 100-year-old, beautiful old hotel that's been, I think it was probably, you know, unhotel-y for a while and then got remade into a hotel many, mm -hmm. many years ago. But it's this wonderful, wonderful space. And every year they do an event where they basically give rooms to artists to make installations in. Wow. And they're only really parameter is that it needs to be an immersive installation. This year they were really into getting more sort of design and storytelling-y type. Like, like they have really, really beautiful abstract installations too that sort of play with, you know, light and color and sound and various things. But they wanted a few more sort of design-based ones. And so I was approached by one of the curators at the GradX. Wow. And she was sort of like, P.S., you should apply to this. Um, so I'm going to be expanding my thesis project. So sort of working... I get to continue to work in this realm of sort of art, science, and design all mooshed together with a bunch of, you know, creative writing in there. So that kind of it's, makes it, I don't know, it makes me feel like freelancing could work. It, it's, right. yeah, as I said, the future is really uncertain but right now. But that's a huge kudo. That's a huge, you know, high five, whatever you're going to call it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that the, end, the outside world is reflecting back to you saying, we want to see this, this mm -hmm. thing that you do. And I actually literally got a high five from the guy at the Gladstone Cafe when I told him that I needed a coffee before the meeting. Literal high five as well. That's awesome. <laughs> Which is great. But yeah, so that's really, really exciting. Is that going to take a lot of your time? Yes. Okay. So that's also another plus. And I just, I just feel like it's the hardest part about getting towards freelancing is figuring out how to find more clients mm -hmm. and then how to fit those projects in. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> right now I feel like my schedule is full. The main thing is figuring out how to do it, like the business side, which right. is difficult for me. Well, I think <laughs> it sounds like, and it might be like other people, is that sometimes life doesn't afford you this big, like, I've decided and this is what I'm going to do. Sometimes you just sort of fall into it. And it sounds like almost like you're kind of headed in that direction where you've got this glorious project, this event, this you know, exhibition, you have to, between now and then, work on it. And so you have to make the freelance work in order to achieve that goal, to get to the, you know, the opening of that exhibition, where before you know it, you might actually establish the clients that you need to keep going after the exhibition. You That's the that's falling into it, mm -hmm. is that just months turn into weeks and years and whatever, and the whole thing, and before you know it, you're just doing that thing. It wasn't just the, like, I've decided today. Yeah. You know, totally. so that might end up being, and that's, and I think that's great to showcase to people that you don't always have the luxury of just saying, I've decided, mm -hmm. you know, that this is what it looks like to fall into something. You just, you get a goal, and you work for it, and you put your head down, and you just try to do a good job, and see what else is around. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you having me. I really appreciate your hospitality. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. It was really fun. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share your support through comments and reviews. 